Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we are talking about season three, episode one. They're back, aren't they? Disappointing title for a slightly disappointing episode, I have to confess. Which is Lena's opinion, but we already know that Lena's gonna hate this entire season. So Will I? Well you said that. Was I drunk when I said that? Yes. Okay, don't trust me when I'm drunk, girl. Unless I'm handing you more alcohol. <laughs> yeah, because you always have to trust Lena when she hands you alcohol. That goes for every single listener who will ever meet us in person. True. No, but I'm disappointed because the last few episodes had such amazing titles with like references or just funny in themselves. And this is back to the it is simply something that somebody said. And so I confess I did a sneak peek. It gets better. We go back to amazing titles. Yeah, because I watch on the box set which is great. I get to see the names of all the episodes that are on the disc. So yes, I concur. It's gonna get better. But before we get into the episode... Speaking of getting better... We want to officially welcome Sarah to our Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. Our newest believer. Thank you. Go Sarah. Go Sarah. Go Sarah. Go Sarah. Go Sarah. Okay, that's that's enough. Yeah, we're terribly sorry. <laughs> we're terribly Sarah. Yeah, um, no, we're terribly sorry. Please tell me that was on purpose. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. And with that pun, let's get into this. Yeah, my puns are best when I have no idea I'm doing them. But I do have an idea what I'm doing when writing my own summaries. This time on Lucifer, a single-minded Lucifer bulldozes through everyone that got hurt in the last episode while we get a new character introduced who seems even more douchey than Dan ever was. Glaring absence of Maze, Trixie and Charlotte forces us to focus on the potential meta plot of the season the sinner man and speaking of lucifer and his single-mindedness obsession of the week easy peasy lemon squeezy this time i actually wasn't really sure what to put down so i did say daddy dearest yes he is back on being completely 120% fucking focused on dad dad and Potentially, I was willing to also allow for the emissary of my father. But definitely dad is the one, yeah. Some things also don't change. This is the season opener. So, of course, it's written by someone brilliant. And this time, it is Ildi herself who wrote the episode. Listen, that explains a lot. I have a few notes coming up which just say I love the writing. There were so many little tidbits that have been written in that just made me really, really happy. Let me put it this way. The writing is not what made me dislike this episode, but I'm gonna go into that during the final thoughts. Also, we are continuing the tradition of Lucifer saying the title, which of course in this episode is not so surprising since it's simply just a quote. 
I have very weird facts and funs for you this time. When Lucifer gets kidnapped, he references a movie called Blood Simple, which I have not seen. But the movie Blood Simple stars John Getz, who also appears in the currently running Doom Patrol in season two as Paul Trainer. And Doom Patrol is also part of DC Vertigo. So nothing to do with Lucifer, just random connection that some people are in everything. Also, John Getz has been in literally everything. Just check out his IMDb profile from 40 years ago to this very day. This man has been active. And the other curious note I have, because I never noticed this before and I don't know if it's a season three thing or a new thing Amazon does, but this episode is rated 16 in Germany for drugs, cursing and violence. Did you see any drug use? No, I believe I did not. I saw violence, I saw cursing, I did not see drugs. I think that it's a blanket. I don't think so, because the boys has like all these fields like drugs, sexual content, violence, yada yada yada. So drugs is a separate entity usually. Well, I've been watching a lot of Criminal Minds, as some of our listeners may have noticed. What? <laughs> But there is a lot of episodes that have nothing to do with drugs and there is always drug content warning. And a little birdie told me that Vero has a fun fact this time. Stealing my spotlight. Stealing your thunder. It's not a massive, massive thing. I'm pretty sure it's a well-known fact, but I personally didn't know before. I have listen to another podcast called Kings of Con, the podcast, which is the podcast that is run by Rob Benedict and Rich Spade Jr. And they do have different guests and they did have recently Tom Ellis on and they did meet at a convention in Rome for the first time. So they are actually friends in real life and they were friends before they actually worked together. However, little fun bits about episode one of season three or season three in general, the production of Lucifer was originally in Vancouver. So they were shooting in Canada for the first two seasons. They did not expect that. And Tom Ellis, at the very beginning, when they were told they were gonna do this on location, he came up to the people and he was like, listen, we all have families. We all have people around us that we didn't realize we'd be leaving behind. What should we do to get the production back to Los Angeles? And they were told, well, just be successful. <laughs> Which, you know, a great advice. So they moved season three back to LA for filming and then they got cancelled. Yes. Wow. There is way more to it and way more details and Tom talks about all of that in that podcast episode. So I will link that episode in description. Definitely listen to it. It's really fun and it's really interesting and I love every single one of them in there. Now, it is time for the first of the season, previously on Lucifer. Lucy is the devil on holiday to LA. He meets Chloe. His superpower is desire. He has big scars on his back where he cut off his wings. Mom's powers got dangerous, so Lucy kicked her into her own universe. Charlotte came back in her old body. Linda is in the hospital. Lucy self-reflects and decides to come clean to Chloe, gets knocked out and wakes up in the middle of the desert with his wings back. And totally fucked up and burnt by the sun. Oh, yeah. So we start, for my perception, right where we stopped 
with the last episode because we are still in a desert and there is this car racing down and we have this amazing music playing and I'm pretty sure you're gonna have something to say about this but I had to take note of this because this music was amazing. Definitely. So the song's name is The Devil You Know and it is by Ex Ambassadors. It is actually marked as my favorite song of the episode and if you want to know more about the song there is a few really fun tidbits. You need to get the bonus content because that's where I'm gonna be talking about that. However, This is definitely a song that is absolutely a Lucifer vibe. It has Lucifer written all over it. Also, when we see this car racing down, we see the driver. Did you recognize him? Obviously. I love that so much. It's a fucking great callback. I did not recognize him the first time I saw this episode. I did not recognize him the second time I saw this episode. But this is the second appearance of Lee. The character actually has a name, which I had not realized because Amazon shows me the character name. And of course, Lee is later on in this scene referred to as Mr. Sad Out Bitch. Second appearance, we saw him last in season two, episode one. Will we ever see him again? I think they should put him in episode one of season four as well. I think it should be like a little tradition that Lee's gonna just kind of run into Lucifer once a season. That would be hilarious. I'm against it. Because I'm already not a fan of this re-meeting. I think it's amazing. I think it's hilarious. That's perfectly fine. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. Also, last thing I have to say before we go on to Still in the Desert, but the police scene and everything the wings are pure perfection they are so well done they look perfect it's gotten so much better compared to when they were mounted in the one episode and even compared to when a manadil still had wings or when he is the plucked chicken i would believe if i was younger and more naive i would believe that they put animatronics or something on him they move great they look great the texture seems amazing like visually I have nothing to disagree. (laughs) So now the music goes away and we have the truck driving through the desert and we see this convoy of police cars coming up, which this is perfect. This is so good. This is cliche police procedural setup. But it's so good. And then the car stops and they can't see inside and obviously suddenly Lucifer gets out and the jumpsuit stops about like halfway through his calf and it's so funny and his hair is completely messed up and I just it's fucking sending me it's just so hilarious I have a question for the cops though the car is armored why are they only pointing handguns at it I don't think they have anything else on hand but they were chasing an armored car current media and stories from America have led me to believe that the American police has more formidable weapons than just handguns in their trunks I do not follow American media and American police but this did not get my attention whatsoever okay I have one last question for the scene though at the very end of the scene we see Mr. Sad Out bitch run through the desert how is this gonna mean his freedom he's in the middle of the desert there's no humans no water no food no nothing so he takes him literally he just wants to be free he just wants to get away Uh... from before 
I rest my case. Yes, it's simply literal freedom. Thank you. However, what this actually kind of stopped me as well because I think he gave Lee a choice. You can either take me back to LA or you can just go away and Lee is rather gonna be left in the middle of a desert with no clothes on than go back to prison so I think that says a lot about Lee which means kind of when I think about it now I don't think we're gonna see him again because I'm pretty sure he's dead in the middle of the desert I hope he is now the song the devil you know actually returns for Lee running through the desert which I think is a great detail absolutely because he does know the devil (laughs) we move on to the next scene which I called Off With His Wings or not. We get Benjamin wheel in Linda to the penthouse and I am so with Linda when she asks for his number at the end. She doesn't even ask for the number. You can send me his number. She's so so good. So good. Linda in this scene is absolute perfection. She is in her robe and everything and clearly she is still getting through her injuries and everything because it's only been two days but we don't know that yet we find out in a couple of scenes because I was super confused I was like okay Lucifer looked like fucking shit but Linda is still not properly healed so how much time has passed I was very much convinced that Lucifer is actually trying to do something nice for Linda until the moment when he does it all about him of course it was such a nice five seconds I know right and it's gonna happen again in this episode there is a little detail that I absolutely loved about this scene and that is when he takes out his wings to show Linda he knocks over a couple of bottles of booze he has no perception anymore how big his wings are and how to handle them properly and it's just such a beautiful little detail it's also in the first scene because he has to remember to put them away and it takes him a conscious effort he is not used to having wings anymore yeah I wanted to talk about it now and not in the first scene So that's why I'm talking about it now and not in the first scene. But I think it's a really (laughs) nice little detail that shows us a lot about Lucifer and how he's dealing with the fact that he has wings now again. However, we are coming back to something that I have asked you before and now it doesn't make sense anymore, the answer that you gave me. We talked about the fact that Ames when he was a plucked chicken. He took off his hoodie to spread his fucked up wings and I was wondering if you have to have like a special clothes in order to take out your wings while wearing clothes or something. What was my argumentation back then? Because I don't remember. We only saw that with Eminidil when he was wearing his angel robes which you said that they're probably then adjusted to him having wings because then he has to take off his hoodie And now, clearly, he didn't have to take off his hoodie. He just wanted to show off his guns. Clearly. Because Lucifer does not take off his robe in order to take out his wings. I agree and have an explanation at the same time. I agree that there should be some damage to the normal human fabric or something. But I have an explanation why a man deal when he was a plucked chicken had to take off his hoodie because his wings hurt. And you see even later in this episode when Dan pats Lucifer on the back that it hurts him. And he has normal wings. And a man deal has broken wings. So pushing them through, in quotation marks, the fabric probably would hurt like fucking hell. I would not use that moment when Dan 
pats Lucifer on the back as an example, because I am pretty sure that at that stage Lucifer already cut off his wings, so he has sore open wounds on his back when Dan does that. Yeah, you're right, because later on we see the wings that he cut off. And I just realized that another one of my arguments later in the episode also doesn't work. Great! Yeah, okay, perfect. Thank you, Vero. <laughs> I'm here for you. So to close out this scene, I only have to say Linda is the best when she talks him out of escalation. And I love the fact that she has arguments as a therapist and as a friend. I love that she doesn't use the I got involved in your family drama and nearly killed in a blaming kind of way, but she is very matter-of-factly about it but not without emotion. So I think this is an amazing sell, both due to the writing and to Rachel Harris. Absolutely. And now we can finally go to the precinct. And this just made me so sad. That no one missed him? That no one missed him. It just breaks my heart in a way. I do wonder if it was a weekend though. Maybe he vanished on a Friday and now it's Monday and so he was only gone the weekend. (laughs) I don't know, I kind of find it curious in sense, because I feel like Chloe, especially after a call that she got, that she would be more into knowing what's happening. I go into detail regarding that in the next scene. I mean, I understand why it is set up this way, but it just breaks my heart a little bit that nobody missed him. Yeah, absolutely. And he went through this traumatic event and nobody believes him or cares. But that also kind of feels very relatable to real life because let's be honest most of the times when you go through something that is super relevant and potentially traumatic or painful or changing for you for other people it most of the time doesn't even register so welcome to real life lucifer boo we don't like that shame on real life also chloe mentions there is a new lieutenant and from that interaction i was kind of convinced that they already met him which turns out to be not the case. But also later on we have a reaction when Ella talks about the lieutenant by Dan and Chloe. They don't say anything but both of the actors react in a certain way so I feel like they know something about the new lieutenant that they simply haven't explained to us yet. But also mostly in this scene I am very confused by how cold and snappy Chloe is with Yeah, it doesn't really track with the end of the previous season. Exactly. They weren't on the best of terms, but they definitely were on way better terms. She gave him the whole speech at the end of the episode that he then used to deliver to his mom. So this made absolutely no sense. And let's go into the next scene, because here they go to this crime scene, in quotation mark, that then turns into an actual crime scene. And when they're there and she still doesn't believe him, which is the first thing that doesn't make sense to me because she has learned time and time and time again that Lucifer does not lie. So when he tells her that he has been kidnapped and this is the crime scene, she has no reason not to believe him. So her entire behavior in the scene makes absolute zero sense to me. Either she should have missed him the last two days because she got the message and then she was either worried or angry with him that he did not show up. Or she did not get the message or she did not understand the message or did not deem the message important and definitely did not miss him. But then she has no basis to be angry with him. So we actually start this scene with a song, which is called Knock Me Out by Vintage Trouble, which accurate. 
And I think there's a lot of fun jokes in this scene that I enjoyed. Like, oh, footprints. Ah, those are mine. Come back to that in a couple of minutes. I was about to say, and we get a call back to that. Is even better. And I feel that a lot of what she just said is coming from she got the message and she got emotionally involved and she waited for him and he ghosted her yet again. This is not the first time that happened. So I think, and this is the only thing that makes sense to me that she decided not to care she decided not to have this get to her and not miss him consciously because she didn't want to feel hurt all over again because she's been in that situation before however that was a conscious decision that she made and you can't really control your emotions as we're gonna see with Lucifer as well in this episode the way you kind of want because basically this is the third time he ghosted her because once was with the dinner then we have when he went off to get married and now this is the third time and so she doesn't want to care but she does care and that's what makes her snappy and angry with him yes makes sense I accept this okay good phew now we get the actual crime scene I'm sorry I just read my notes and for the end of this scene I have written well at least someone is there to give Lucifer a hand also this doesn't end the scene because in pure classic Lucifer tradition we get the title card at 8 minutes 18 seconds and we continue right where we left just time wise a bit later because now we have Ella lying in the grave I love that so much giving the performance of a lifetime because the dude is dead and then we immediately get the callback to the joke that we mentioned before and boy oh boy Dan and Lucifer actually agree on something before they agree did you notice that Lucifer has crazy hair in this scene I have And this entire scene for Lucifer is very unhinged. Yeah, I feel like it's deliberate that they gave him unhinged hair matching his unhinged emotional state. Yeah, the same way his eyeliner often shows as his emotional state, his hair clearly helped with that this time. But yes, then we get the moment where we find out that Lancaster PD is on the scene. And my assumption at this stage is they had something to do with it. Really? Yeah, it was just like, they're so useless. Are they doing it on purpose? I just loved how everyone was like, they don't know what they're doing. And Ella's like, no, they're great. But I'm going to do a final round. Not because I don't trust them, just because... I want to impress our new lieutenant. And then we find out that they did not meet Pierce yet. Nobody actually met Pierce except for Ella, who saw him speaking at a conference and is completely in love with him. And she refers to him as a rock star, which for me is a huge red flag. And this is the moment where we see a reaction of Dan and Chloe. They don't say anything, but their nonverbal reaction is telling mountains. Yeah, I think nobody is really excited about a new lieutenant, except for Ella. And so we move on to scene five. Enter new lieutenant. And we get a great song as he's entering. It's called Boy, and it's by Leopold and his fiction. The song is called Boy. The song is called Boy. Okay, question. On his shoes, are that spurs? I have to admit that I did not pay too close attention to him. I always have to pause to write down when a scene ends, so I 
always see the first second frozen of every scene and you only see his shoes there and I'm pretty sure that he is wearing boots with a small heel and I'm pretty sure he's wearing spurs like for riding I was just like what and I'm sorry can you think of a single person that is not an actual horse rider that wears spurs that's not an asshole mm, Clint Eastwood doesn't Clint Eastwood play in westerns and rides horses yeah I'm talking about people who don't ride horses I know I know I can't only people who wear spurs but don't do riding as a sport are assholes so wow already before you even see the whole person you know that's a dick yes he is an asshole <laughs> we have him walking down the stairs and the whole precinct is there waiting for him to say something speech 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 and it is completely whelming he sends them all off and dan tries to introduce himself and he's an insta dick to dan and right after he's a dick to lucifer and then they make a dick reference and i'm just like what is going on it feels like pierce has something personal against lucifer that which is super weird it's the pure cliche definition of the worst kind of male there's so much toxicity and grandstanding and pseudo alpha male bullshit and referring to chloe as lucifer's partner and everything about this scene was just like Ugh. everything Pierce does in this scene is to demeanor everybody in the precinct or everybody he has interaction with I was slightly confused on the timing there because he seems to walk through and literally just talk to Dan, Chloe and Lucifer and then Ella comes in and she says we just talk over donuts that I brought him and it just doesn't really track for me but I'm sure that's just an oversight I'm very curious when we are gonna see interaction between Ella and Pierce and if he is also an asshole to Ella then he can just fuck right off he is dead to me if he's gonna be an ass to Ella he seems to be fine with her though for some reason we have seen no interaction with her yes but like from what she is saying but Ella likes everyone so I don't believe her positive yes but from their interaction they seem to have a relatively okay rapport in comparison to how he behaves towards everybody else. And then Aminadiel shows up. And again, there is this moment where I feel like Aminadiel actually cares about Lucifer, but he is there for a different reason, which to me this situation is like they both have issues and they both should talk to each other about those issues but for Lucifer that's all news because he's already been through some horrible thing that happened to him since mom left and in his mind he told a minute ago what happened that emoji text is just what it's just very Lucifer it doesn't surprise me it is very Lucifer it's also very disrespectful 100% disregarding he definitely should have regard a Amenadiel's feelings way more. However, the fact that Lucifer is gone for two days and Amenadiel is just like, oh, I've been looking for you everywhere. So what happened about mom? And it just kind of goes both ways because he just doesn't even feel like Lucifer not being around for two days is a big deal. But at least he was looking for him opposed to everyone else. Yeah, that is fair enough. It's super sad that everybody kind of forgot to tell Ames what happened. Including Linda, though. Why didn't he just come to Linda then? That's a good question. Because they are friends. No, no, no. They're not friends. He saved her life. Yeah, so last time we saw them together in a scene, 
scene was when they killed Lucy. And that was when Ames learned that Linda actually knew about everything. And she was super pissed with him that he pretended and everything, right? They have not sorted that. I'm pretty sure they did. So they did not see each other for six episodes. I don't think so. Hmm, I don't remember. Anyway, this entire thing, the fact that Ella and Emmanuel never met has been mind-blowing fact for me. Oh, that was so good. And Ella is so touchy. Who has the guns in the family? Listen, Ella and her approach to all the new connection that she makes in this episode is very personal. Fungerling over peers and her flirting with Amanadiel, it just it just feels interesting. But I really do feel for Amanadiel in this scene. I feel for both of them though. I mostly feel for Amanadiel because this is no way to learn that your mother with whom you had a very complicated relationship is now in another universe and out of your reach forever. And he had this negative reinforcement that his wings are not back and his powers also only returned for a one moment and not really. So yes, he is still his father's favorite son. That's the only thing he has still going for him in his perception. But everything else is fucked. And I'm very, very grateful that Lucifer did not tell him in that moment that he had his wings back. I think, actually, that Lucifer should have told him. Because they need to learn to communicate. And this is a part of communication that they need to build upon. And Amenidiel is gonna get back to that later on. Not a time, not a place. I fully agree with Lucifer. I disagree because then Amenadiel found out without Lucifer telling him the betrayal that he felt. Well, that was stupid as fuck but we're gonna get into that later. Yes, but this is exactly what he could have avoided, that anger, if he would have told him straight away. We seem to be disagreeing a lot in this episode. I know. But we agree that the guns and the family. It was amazing. The entire meet between Ella and Ames is brilliant. So we actually follow a lead now in classic Lucifer fashion. And the way Chloe describes where they're going is pretty much Lux light without the actual charming owner. And Lucifer's reaction, imagine buying your own establishment just to justify your decadent lifestyle. It's absurd. And Chloe's reaction, yeah, absurd. He never sees these things when they are so obvious. We walked right in and we actually get a song in the party, which is called SHC and it's by Foster the People. And the party is as it is to be expected. Lots of people, beautiful people, yay, yay, yay. They try to confront the dude and he obviously doesn't think this is real. Like this is clear from the very beginning of the interaction. And to me, this was the moment when my jaw fell to the floor because this is Aristu, Aristu Viziri. Who? I love this actor, his actual name, is, I'm gonna mispronounce it, I'm really sorry. I think it's Pesh Bahdat. And he is an American-Iranian actor who is a regular on Bones. And he plays Aristu Vaziri. And I adore him in there. He is so good. So seeing him there playing an asshole just made my day. That I can imagine. I love the interaction with him being super disrespectful and Lucifer. Whilst I don't disagree, this is disrespectful, so I'm gonna intervene here. Which, once 
once again, yes, you can appreciate certain physical aspects of other people, but no. Just no, dude. So I really like that. And also, I did not see it coming that Lucifer throws the dude off the fucking building. Even if there is the pool waiting. Oh, he clearly didn't know there was the pool. I don't know either way, but I did not expect Lucifer to throw the dude. Same. Nicely done. Very well done. Also, I kind of like the fact that Lucifer gives him a warning first and says, dude, this is disrespectful. And after, and only after that, he throws him off the roof. That was kind of fun. And now we actually finally get into the first cutscene. Chloe and Lucifer just arrested Aristu. And as they're leaving the hotel, they are having a conversation where Chloe is giving Lucifer the talking to about not throwing suspects off a roof. And Lucifer <laughs> says he had a traumatic experience and Chloe can surely sympathize with his delicate state. And then Lucifer says that the guy was also rude to Chloe and she agrees that she realizes that. But she asks him also to take a back seat on the case because according to him, he is personally involved. And Lucifer says that he can control his own emotions, which he can't. Next scene, no, he can't. And then Chloe pretends that this entire thing is not about Pierce calling her Lucifer's partner. And you can clearly see that it's exactly what this is about. It's a shame they cut this because this actually relates to several tidbits in later scenes. They end this scene with both of them going like, oh yeah, sure, this is definitely not about that. And kind of agreeing on that. And that's the end of the first cutscene. The next scene pretty much instantly shows that Lucifer is not able to take a back seat. It also explains the look Chloe gives him when they sit down. Because now it, the look makes actually sense. And Lucifer has zero self-control in this. I kind of really like how he sits down and he it's like, I'm completely calm and I know exactly what I'm doing. And then he just jumps out at the dude and he can't stop himself. I love how Chloe takes him to the side, consult less. And this is the moment when I written down, I fucking love the writing in this episode. Writing is perfection. No disagreement there. And then we get the plot twist, which I did not expect. And that is the fact that this entire thing was supposed to be a fake kidnapping. And what's this guy name again? I just called him Aristu in my notes. I just loved the point that he made that a guy named Lucifer and the chick from Hot Tub Hotel came to arrest him. And then Lucifer says she was not in the sequel. So there was a sequel and he saw it. Of course. I love it. The whole interaction, this whole scene just made me very happy. But all in all, it's a short scene. And then we move over to the penthouse because apparently Lucifer sent Amenadiel another obscure text and Amenadiel meets Remedy, who is a masseuse. So that is a nicely done thing. And the first moment when we see him, we're gonna need a bigger towel. I'm like, <laughs> funny, funny. <laughs> And he knows where the towels are, so he's going to collect it. And I'm like, yay, finally we see more of the penthouse floor. Because remember, we have been talking about this. We've heard Lucifer talk in a bathroom, but we've never seen the bathroom. And so he walks in there and I'm super focused. Like, oh, okay, there's doors. I think he might have a sauna in there if I saw it right. And he walks around and then he sees the feather. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Lucifer is already losing feathers because he's so stressed or whatever. And then the camera 
camera pans over and you see that he cut off his fucking wings and just left them flying on the bathroom floor while he has a human in his place. The last time a human interacted with the wings, he threw himself off a fucking building. So, not okay. Neither from a Lucifer point of view nor from a writing point of view because the wings are dangerous to humanity so Lucifer would not leave them lying around in his place when he has a human there. I agree with you. This is an aspect that I didn't realize at the time but then later on when I thought about it, it struck me as odd. The only thing I could say to explain this would be that they possibly had a deal that she wouldn't go into certain areas of the penthouse. But then again, what if they needed more stuff or what if she didn't listen to him? It is just a very risky behavior. Also, this is the moment where I was like, listen, if he would have told Aminadil that his wings are back earlier, we could have avoided this moment of anger of Aminadil. But also, I did not realize that, of course, his wings lying on the floor means you're absolutely right when Dan patted him on the back in the precinct. That means he already had cut them off, so he had the open wounds on his back. Also, my note that's coming up in the next scene does not work, because now we are back in the precinct. We are in the lab and they are talking about yadi yadi. And my first note was, why not simply book another kidnapping? Later on, they come to that conclusion. But for me, it was so obvious because Lucifer has the money to do that. And then we move over to the, okay, I'm going to come clean, yadi yadi. And he starts closing the blinds and they send Ella out of her own lab to have privacy. And I'm like, okay, so the fucking devil's face doesn't work, whatever. Just show her the wings, which of course is not an option because the wings are lying on his bathroom floor. This moment, I knew that you were going to bring this up because we've talked about this in the summoning episode and I couldn't give you an answer because I did not remember the timeline of when he has wings and when he doesn't. And I was very mindful of those details because we talked about this last week. So thanks to you, I actually <laughs> noticed these things. But before actually this, this whole situation happens, Ella is talking about the squirrel and as the second victim. She names the dead squirrel Leo, which is the most Ella thing you can ever do. And if you see Chloe's face, Chloe knows that it's a squirrel, unlike Lucifer. And her face says it all. That whole situation where Chloe suggests that they should look into Lucifer's connection to the case meant to me that, yes, she finally believes that Lucifer is involved somehow. However, she kind of contradicts that a little bit because she's not 100% convinced. Still, I think that she just doesn't want to get emotionally involved, which is something that she kind of refers to a little bit later again. But clearly she wants to listen to him when he says, I need to show you something. And she opens herself up to yet another hurt. And disappointment, yeah. And disappointment, because this whole situation does not play out the way Lucifer wants it to. But it's well done how it is scripted and shot. Yes, it's really well done scene. And I think that it really flushes out Chloe's emotions and their relationship as it is right now. But all in all, it is quite curious why he regrew his wings and apparently lost his 
devil face. Because before we met him, he apparently had both the devil face and the wings. So they are not exclusive. So I'm quite curious where this is gonna lead with him not having a devil face. And good thing we already saw him use his powers. So apparently his powers are not related to the devil face because he used them on Mr. Set Out Bitch. So there's that. And then we close out this scene in Pierce's office where Chloe tries to, if Mohammed doesn't come to the mountain, the mountain needs to come to Mohammed, which is like a standard saying. So Pierce is just an asshole for saying, I don't know what you mean. Fuck you. And he's such an asshole to every single one of them. But most of all, Chloe and Dan, like it feels like he's less of an asshole to Lucifer at this point. And I just keep on hating and hating and hating him more. And like (laughs) I said, the final nail in the coffin is going to be if he is anything like this with Ella. Yeah. So we move on to scene 10 with the planning of the fake kidnapping. And I only have one note in the scene. I feel so sorry for Dan with him being confused about Charlotte. And it's actually kind of sweet that Lucifer tries to explain to Dan that it's not basically his fault that Charlotte is like this. And of course it doesn't make sense for Dan. But I really do feel for Daniel. And I'm curious where we're going with his development. Well, we do have a song in this scene, which actually was like my second favorite song of the episode. It's called Charge Up the Power and it's by Goodbye June. And it's just a really fun rock song, which I enjoyed. But I would like to move on to the next scene, which I have named Ella being the best. I called it personal Ames business. I, again, have been stumped in this scene that Ames and Ella only met in this episode. How did I not realize that this is the friendship that we needed in our lives? I want to see that. I want to see more of that because I think that Ella is the best thing that could ever happen to Emanadil. In general, Ella is the perfect person to talk to when you have a crisis of faith. Yes, which is exactly what is happening right now. And the the timing of this and her words and everything that she says and shows to Ames. All of these things. It's just perfect. And also she made a mini casket for Leo and decorated it. So this scene is Ella in her purest and most perfect form. And one of her many amazing lines is you gotta believe that when he crushes your nuts, he does it for a reason. And the phrasing of this is just so beautiful because it's not just any sappy quote, but the way she presents everything, it just makes me want to hug her and hang with her and have chats with her. So after this super heartwarming moment we move back to the kidnapping plan and of course Lucifer changed the target to himself then is the stupid Patsy waiting to be kidnapped and it's not happening so Lucifer is being taken and confronts his quote-unquote kidnappers he magics himself out of his ropes once again and it's all very obvious we have a couple of scenes when we go back and forth and I have very little notes on them so with the next one, my only note is that Dan is humiliated because Lucifer changed the target? How? Because right now everything is personal for everyone. Because they are under the magnifying glass by Pierce, so everything feels bad. Because Chloe instantly goes like, okay, this was not your fault. What I really like about the cutting back and forth between the kidnapping and the precinct is that as so many times before we have the writing in one scene referring to what is happening in the next scene because they say 
crafty bad guys and then you have Lucifer torturing the kidnappers and stuff like that. So this is the writing at its purest form in Lucifer. And like I said at the beginning, the writing is not the issue with this episode because it's fucking Ildi. She knows her shit. So that is really nice. But I agree with you in between the back and forth. There's not many notes. I find it very obvious that the kidnappers are human and so they would not have been able to influence Lucifer. He gets a lead that he's gonna follow up by himself and then we're back in the precinct and they realize that the detective from the other police department wasn't actually from that police department. And while Dan keeps talking himself down how stupid he is, he actually managed to keep the bad guys from stealing evidence. But everyone is so focused on how shit they are because Pierce got obviously into all of their heads, which, sorry, that's not a good leader. Because had he not paid attention, then the bad guy would have stolen the keychain thingy. So nobody even realizes that they are actually doing good. And also, perfect end for the back and forth is that Leo with his crushed nuts proves that this is the van of the killers so gives them enough reasonable blah whatever the word is I don't know to continue with their work so yay for Leo yay for Leo I only want to add that the fact that the dude comes back to collect evidence while the police is already on the scene is very ballsy so here I stand corrected it was not Lancaster PD. It was some <laughs> random dude who was pretending to be them. So, I mean, close enough. Yeah, you were not completely wrong. There we go. But we get to one of my favorite shots of this entire episode now, where we switch to Sam's apartment. Lucifer knocks on the door and dude stops packing his shit and looks through the peephole and he doesn't see anybody. He just see the sunlight coming through. And then we get this slow-mo shot of Lucifer kicking the door in and having the sunlight coming from behind him again like a halo and you can't really see his face which suddenly for Mr. Sam must be completely confusing because he has no fucking clue who this person is. He just runs in and it's just such a beautiful shot. It's definitely well done. Even though I disagree, Sam knows that Lucifer is the dude with the wings. Well, he realizes when he sees his face, but in the first instant, he's probably losing his shit. He's probably thinking this is the cinema coming for him. Maybe. Also, Lucifer continues to have exactly zero chill in this episode. It's incredible. <laughs> It's been a while since we've seen him so unhinged in an episode. Also, very curious, when he tries to confront Sam, he goes, What are you, demon, changeling? So, apparently, changelings are a thing in the Lucifer lore. And if you want to know more, check out the bonus material where I go into a wonderful devil in the details regarding changelings in the Sandman universe and in general lore. And then we have this beautiful quote by Lucifer. Lucifer when he's super angry and his wings pop out and he gets really really upset and he says I define who I am not him me 
So this moment and this statement is everything that Lucifer is about. This is the Sisyphean task that Lucifer has been trying to do since the very beginning to define himself, to get the free will for himself. And it kind of turns on him every single time he feels like he has succeeded, which this moment with him and this statement and the wings coming out again, I think is a perfect example of his insecurities and everything. And also every time he really exercises his free will, he gets punished for it because this is a violation of him. Yeah. So I agree with him. It seems that there is nothing dear dad dislikes more than the exercising of free will. We get, of course, the title drop in here and we close out this scene with a question by Sam. Is your dad the sinner man? And with this repeated mention of the sinner man and also in the final scene, I already asked myself at this point if the sinner man is going to be our big bad this season. I say probably. And if you ask me, there are doing a damn good job setting that up. I'm gonna go into that at the end. So, penultimate scene, we are back in the precinct and without the deleted scene that you mentioned in the beginning, this is so out of nowhere for me and it feels so incredibly awkward with Chloe rambling on because, I'm sorry, she's way too competent for this. She's way too good at her job and she knows that she's good at her job and she is so used to especially other men being dicks to her that I do not believe that pure Pierce's behavior would rattle her that much. So this is the second point where I'm not agreeing with the character depiction in the writing in this episode. But I think this makes sense to me because I think that as much as she was the pariah of department and everything, she is not used to being punished for her effectivity. She has been ghosted and looked down on and everything during the Palmetto case, but she has been always super confident in her own abilities. And I think that because Pierce puts her in a position where he calls her Lucifer's partner and he is in a position of power, which that was not the case before, she was always pretty much looked down upon by her peers. by her peers. Dun, dun, dun. She was looked down upon by people who were on the same level as she was and she didn't give a fuck because she didn't care about those people. She didn't have to. And now somebody who is directly above her is belittling her success and her skills. And I don't think that this is something that she ever expected because she's always been very confident about her skills. So I see that as a interesting progression in a sense of somebody doubting her from the position of power and completely fucking up her mind. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying that I understand where this is coming from. It's bullshit and I want to punch Pierce in the face. My final note for this scene is Sam is dead. Him being let out because someone paid his bail means he's dead. Whoever paid his bail did not do it to do him a favor. And then we go into the final scene with another dick parallel. You sound surprised. Usually dick jokes, yes. Focusing so much on dicks, no. Because that's low-hanging fruit, ha ha ha. Okay, so apparently wings are dick parallels now because comparing body parts as brothers. I didn't see that as a dick parallel as much. This actually made complete sense to me. Okay, maybe it's just me with the bad and dirty mind. 
mean, yes, obviously it is a reference to what men do, but like normal human doesn't have wings, so they can't really compare wings, you know? So I didn't mind that metaphor because it was built on something else than dicks. Amenadiel says, my ego should never be an issue. And I'm just like, dude, this has been the issue since episode one, season one. And exactly that's why this is such a revelation, because he now realizes that his ego should have not been an issue because he's an angel. Took him long enough. Also, the fact that Amenadiel is having this conversation with Lucifer in the first place and the fact that he is self-aware enough to know that his ego should have never been an issue. But also he realizes the reason why Lucifer didn't tell him about his wings in the first place was because he's not in a place where he can take that for what it is. So I feel there is a lot of emotional growth from Amenadiel in this scene and him, the self-realization and the self-consciousness in this scene from Amenadiel is making me very happy and making me like him which is making me very upset I actually have the issue that this does not feel earned I do not see where this realization that his ego is the problem comes from I think it's connected this is where he started and this is where he ended up Ella can only do so much because Ella only knows so much so I have to trust that everything has a reason hence I should not be upset about Lucifer having his wings back hence I should have let him talk to me why didn't he tell me hence my ego was in the way and it shouldn't have been this is the thought process that I saw there and this is where I disagree because I don't think the ego of a man ideal is the reason why Lucifer didn't tell him but rather these two brothers are actually quite protective of each other and Lucifer did not want to hurt a man ideal because he has something that he doesn't want that his brother is still missing but desperately wants I'm not gonna go into much more detail because apparently this episode is the episode of disagreement between the two of us. I found it very well done that we now have these two brothers be even more juxtaposed towards each other. This is complete contrast, but also matching. Like, it's very yin-yang-like. And so this is really nicely set up, and I'm curious where we're going with this and how this is gonna play out. This is the moment where I have the question, how do wings go through fabric? Because once again, Lucifer pops out his wings and his suit isn't torn. So I'm very curious if this is ever gonna be explained. So I'm really, really curious. And this scene is really nicely done, I feel, because we have the conversation and then we in between cut to the beach scene, which I first thought was a flashback that maybe we heard of the Sinner Man before and Lucifer now talks to him and I was like, okay, did I miss something? But we were so careful. We took so many notes. No, 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 you didn't miss anything. It's all good. So that was confusing for a moment. And then we have this extremely gruesome display with the twisted steel bars and the impaled Sam, which is like, wow. How does a human do that? It's really gruesome, but you see all this bent away metal rods and Lucifer keeps talking about this dark, ominous thing, the Sinner Man to a man ideal. And so I put out the question, is the Sinner Man even human? Because if you are human, how do you create this display of Sam? So I'm very, very curious if we're gonna see more crime scenes or tableaus, basically, that the Sinner Man creates. Because this, for me, 
has certain Hannibal vibes. So I'm, I'm super curious to find out more about the Sinner Man. And also with Lucifer talking about God, divine, Amenadiel mentions like, isn't it divine with the wings and blah, blah, blah. And then Lucifer goes talking about the Sinner Man that's something more sinister and dark. And so my only wish is, please let it not be another family member. I'm all family membered out with the goddess of creation and the burning light. And if we now get the opposite of that with the dark and evil sinner man, I'm against it. So please, 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 can the sinner man not be a family member of the Celestials? And that's my final note on this episode. So I actually have several things for my general notes because I am utterly confused and unhappy with several things. What is up with Chloe? Her behavior made zero sense to me in this episode. And I think I've made that very clear. What is up with Dan? Since it's only two days since the last episode, I would expect him to be in the stage of denial and not resignation regarding Charlotte. He's too far along in the grieving a relationship process for me to it only have been two days. What's up with the new lieutenant? We got through all of season two without a single mention of anything lieutenant related. So obviously he's gonna be relevant. And why does he have to be an asshole? I don't need an asshole character in this show. So I'm very curious, but I'm also very confused. And of course, boo, no maze because she's out bounty hunting and has zero screen time. So boo on that. And like I just said, the whole cinnamon thing Thing. I have no idea where this is gonna go. I highly doubt the Cinnamon can be human. And please, please, no family member. That's it. Great writing, though. <laughs> so I'm gonna finish up on something a little bit more positive than the 10 minute rants that you just went on about how much you hate everything about this episode. No! I don't hate everything but like I said I like hurting I don't like being confused well I hope that I helped you out with Chloe's emotions a little bit but seems to have no effect no not with Chloe's emotion but other things you cleared up so yes you did make this episode quite a bit better okay good to know now to me this was a great season start because I get a good chunk of confusion which we are in episode one so this is what I want. I want something they can build upon. There is a bunch of things that I kind of wanted to be explained straight away, but I have confidence in them to do that. I did really, really, really enjoy the setup of Cinnamon as being the bad guy. And the final bits of the episode, the switching back and forth, was brilliantly done. There is a lot of little breadcrumbs that are regarding Lucifer's powers and Lucifer's wings and devil face and Amenadiel's wings, which I am really excited to learn more about. We better. <laughs> I did really enjoy Amenadiel for once being actually mature and I hope he sticks with it. Also, I really, really enjoyed the whole Ella and Ames. As I said during the episode, the friendship that is starting to bloom there is making me super happy. And as already proven, it can work wonders for Ames to have Ella in his life more. And then there's the issue of Pierce. Pierce is the new character of the season and that means that either he's gonna be the bad guy or he's gonna be a great guy. I don't think there's gonna be any in between. So it's like, it's either gonna be a Charlotte scenario or it's gonna be an Ella scenario. I feel like there is a reason for him to be a dick to everybody and I'm not saying it's gonna excuse his behavior, but I don't think that they would 
put somebody who is just plainly dick to people for no good reason into the show. I think that they are better than that. There is a little hint of a little bit brighter side of Pierce when he at the very end makes fun of Chloe about Lucifer's thing and it feels less dickish than he was before. It just felt like he could have come down way worse on her and he didn't. So I'm wondering where that's gonna go as well. I'm in general curious about the character because I agree with you, he's being a complete and absolute dick. So I'm hopeful and excited and... All in all, this is a great kickoff point for me for this season. I just have to say thank you for pointing out Pierce as the new character this season. Just like you said, I'm just thankful for you to pointing this out because I had not realized it this obviously. So thank you. <laughs> Any time. And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes, ours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us. Because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.